you know, there's that I've read that I reread and I'm like I completely don't remember this and I think that there's an aspect and an element of talking about it out loud that makes it make more sense to us so yeah I think that the book club for me the goal is to really pick a book that hopefully is yes engaging but also maybe will teach us something maybe a topic that's a little bit uncomfortable or difficult to talk about and dive in with people who may or may not know each other and, and navigate that together, right? So navigate our perspectives on the book, on the concepts that we learned from it, and, and really process together. Welcome to Business School for Writers, where we help storytellers like you ditch the starving artist cliche and thrive. I'm your host, Lauren Marie Fleming, and I am obsessed with the power of stories. I've seen the way stories heal writers, readers, and whole communities. But I've also seen the way we silence marginalized voices and discourage people from pursuing a career as a writer. Which is why I'm here today, helping you to ditch the lies you've been told about whose story matters and instead embrace the truth that the world needs your story now more than ever. I am living proof that it is possible to build a thriving career as a writer. And I created Business School for Writers to show you exactly how you can write more, publish more, and make more money as a storyteller. Welcome to your virtual classroom. Welcome to your cheerleading squad. Welcome to Business School for Writers. Got a writing project you've been putting off for way too long? Life is so distracting and sometimes it can feel impossible to carve out the physical and mental space you need in your life to write. If you're feeling overwhelmed or uninspired, I want you to know you are not alone. Most people I talk to tell me there's just no way they could create time in their busy schedule for writing. I used to think the same thing too. But when we dig in deeper and look at our lives, we find that we're spending hours on social media or binging Netflix. Even my busiest clients, working moms with multiple kids, even they have been able to find just 20 to 30 minutes a day to write. I've taken the tips and tools I've gathered over the past decade to create my own writing rituals and writing rituals for my clients, and I've put them all together in my Write More Challenge. For 30 days, I'm gonna help you carve out 30 minutes a day for writing. Think that's impossible? Well, the hundreds of people who've taken my Write More course all thought the same thing too. But now, they're daily journalers, bloggers, or book writers. If they can do it, and if I can do it, then you can do it too. Let's work together to get your story out into the world because the world needs your story now more than ever. Learn more at businessschoolforwriters.com slash write more. That's businessschoolforwriters.com slash write more. And as always, that link is in your show notes. I cannot wait to see what you write. We are talking about my favorite thing in the world today, and that is taking those conversations that are hard, those subjects that are hard, and breaking them down and having conversations around them, and the way in which writing and reading can help you to do that. Our guest today is Michelle Antoine. RM Michelle Antoine is working to take the training wheels off talk. I just love that, so I'm going to say it again. She's working to take the training wheels off talk. 
Michelle is a facilitator, educator, leader, and creative focused on equipping the community with interpersonal tools to have conversations that matter. Michelle is a creator and founder of Curios, a consultancy aiming to create experiences that foster curiosity, bravery, and intentionality through leadership, communication, consulting, workshops, trainings, and retreats. And of course, book clubs, which is the subject of what we're talking about today. Prior to pursuing a second master's in communication with a focus on rhetorical studies, Michelle worked in progressive roles within higher education, specifically in residential life, where she honed her skills in leadership, training and development, and DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion education. Equipped with a practical background in content development, communication, business, and higher education administration, Michelle's aim is to share her passion for intentional self-development leadership, and communication with others, and provide brave spaces, brave spaces, I love that, for intentional work that allows for effective, authentic, and meaningful communication. You can learn more about Michelle on LinkedIn, at Michelle and Juan, or you can do learn even more by listening to this really beautiful, heartfelt conversation that we're having about creating a well-curated book club and what it means to use books to start dialogues and conversations. This is one of those conversations that's going to make you want to have more conversations. So I'm super excited to share it with you, and I cannot wait to hear what you think about it. If you want to continue the conversation, head on over to the Writer Squad Facebook group, and we will happily chat with you about how to curate your own book club or how to join Michelle's book club if you're interested in that. Now enjoy the conversation. Welcome, Michelle. I'm so, so excited to be talking about books and book clubs and conversations and important conversations with you. So hello. I just read your... Hi. (laughs) I just read your official bio, but I just thought I'd ask you to tell us a little bit about who you are and what what you do in this world. So, well, hi. My name is Michelle Antoine. Uh, What do I do in this world? I am the founder and creator of a little consulting company called Curios, uh, which aims to take the training wheels off talk. And what that means to me is just really having the opportunity to talk about things that are typically avoided or uncomfortable or make people a bit queasy so that we can live in a world where having really intentional conversations a little bit more normalized. I don't know if you've noticed, but the world, uh, it's really hard for people to talk about hard things. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about me. And, and really, I do that through consulting. Um, just finished up one client where we curated a couple of workshops and conversations. And obviously, there's other things I'm putting out into the world, like the book club, which we'll talk about and, you know, virtual events for now, but we were doing them live. And yeah, just giving people some tools, some some tools and some practice in um, leaning into the conversations. And I love everything you're doing. I'm a huge fan of yours and what you're trying to build here. I love that you say that you are taking the training wheels off of talk. That's amazing. I want to know how writing and reading plays into that for you, plays into Mm. this idea of these important conversations that we need to have with other people. How writing and reading plays a role in that for me. I mean, I think that it plays obviously the most important role. Um, reading and writing, I think, are where I feel most comfortable. I've always been super comfortable in a classroom. So yes, like that, the the classroom educational aspect of 
the work I used to do, but also just who I am as a person. I'm a learner. So reading is obviously a big part of learning, but also kind of writing it out helps me to process the information that I'm taking in. So whether that's writing, obviously, intentionally, because I am in an educational setting or writing for reflection and processing, um, to me, those are really just kind of inextricable parts of the process of the book club and the work that I do, because in order to be able to really curate some conversations that are meaningful, I have to know, you know, not everything, but as much as I can and, and feel as comfortable as I can um, to be able to help navigate either an individual or a group through a particular topic. So yeah, those are really important to me. I just want to delve right in. You brought up the book club. I just want to delve right into why yeah, I brought you let's on do this, it. <laughs> which is I have been in many book clubs in my life and I haven't been in one that has kept me as engaged as your, it used to be women who whine and now it's people who whine. Now it's for those who whine. And I changed the title because a couple of people brought it to my attention that, you know, asked some questions. Cause I had, I think the first time we did it, um, I think uh, someone who identifies as male was like, Hey, you know, is this, does this mean I can't join? And I was like, no, it doesn't mean that. And then someone else asked, Oh, I wasn't sure if women who whine meant X. So I was just like, you know what, let me shift this. Uh, because obviously I think some people are having a challenge with the, maybe gender naming of the group. And I, I don't want it to feel exclusive in any way. And it really is for anybody who wants to kind of dig deep into a book. So I shifted it so that anyone feels inclined to kind of join. And I love that you're like, wine is optional, but it's always fun to have a glass yes. of wine. While yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think let's start with the general overview of the book club itself. And the reason I want people to think about this is one, I enjoy it and I think it's great and I want other people to come and join us in it as well. But two, I think that the number one thing to be a writer is to be a reader. And I think readers need to write more. And I really think that writing and reading are a collaborative effort that benefits one over the other. And I think Mm -hmm. that conversations start with like a basis. So I love that your book club is uses the book as a basis for bigger conversations. And mm-hmm. that's why I wanted to bring you in and talk about the way in which we can use the way in which books right. can change and heal and start conversations and bridge gaps in ways that they wouldn't. So tell me overall in general, what your goal for this book club is. Yeah. So, you know, the overall intention of Curious, as we've talked about, is to take the training wheels off talk. And I think that there's a lot of different ways that I see that happening. And the book club to me is an extension of that intention in the sense that, you know, books are, like you mentioned, a really great way to learn. But I think that sometimes that learning you know, especially if you're reading a book by yourself, for example, you may be t- taking in some information, that, but you're, if you don't have like a sounding board or if you're not reading it with people or kind of reflecting and processing out loud, I do think that, you know, there's books that I've read that I reread and I'm like, I completely don't remember this. And I think that there's an aspect and an element of talking about it out loud that makes it make more sense to us. So yeah, I think that the book club for me, the goal is to really pick a book that hopefully is, yes, engaging, but also maybe will teach us something, maybe a topic that's a little bit uncomfortable or difficult to talk about, and dive in with people who may or may not know each other and and navigate that together, right? So navigate our perspectives on the book, on the concepts that we learned from it, 
and, and really process together. Practice if we can, you know, so this book in particular, I'm excited. So Dare to Lead is the one we're reading this month. And I think, and I'm hopeful that we can practice kind of what some of the concepts, some of the concepts that are shared, I hope we can practice them almost in real time about vulnerability and about how to lean into that at work. But I do think it translates to outside of work as well. So that's the goal is to really bring people together with the book as kind of a, a centering and common uh, denominator to be able to talk about something that is that really is salient to all of us, but we all approach from a different maybe perspective. The book that Michelle just mentioned is Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. There'll be a link to that in your show notes if you want to check it out. But I am only a little bit of ways into it and I love it. And I also yeah. love the past books that I was in with you as well. And so I, I'm going to go straight to some of our writer squad, Facebook group. People have, have sent us in some questions for you. And oh, if you, cool. That's yeah. Exciting. If you <laughs> want to ask questions of future people on the podcast, you can join our writer squad, Facebook group and ask them there. I always send out questions because I, this is great for me. I want to pick your brain. I love you. And I want to know more about how to curate a book club, but also yeah. I want the listeners to be able to be engaged and ask their questions too. Yeah, so yeah. I always ask ahead of time and the writer squad, Facebook group asked you, how do you choose a book which I thought right now would be a good question because mm. we just talked to you know what are some of the books you've done maybe go over the books that you've done in the past and yeah. how you chose them and why okay so yeah let's go on there's not that many because so, we started this gosh right in the beginning of the pandemic so for me that was kind of a launching of wanting a little bit of community wanting to read more books so there were a lot of kind of different reasons so I was like you know what let me just kind of spread the love and yes, tie it back to Curios, but also get a little community going virtually as we're navigating through this really weird ass time. So the first book that I picked was Talking to Strangers and that's by Malcolm Gladwell. And I picked that book because to me it was just, I will probably read it again. I've read it probably around three times now, including the time that I read it with you all. And it's a really... It's a book that every single time I've read makes me rethink how I interact with people <laughs> and the things that I do or don't consider when interacting with them. And yeah, it's just a really, to me, one of, I've read a couple of Malcolm Gladwell books, but I think that this one for me is just one of his most important works because I think that in our current society, how we talk to, people don't think about how we talk to people we don't know or what concepts or aspects we're missing when we're engaging in either either a normal conversation or a difficult one with people who might be really different than us so yeah that's why I picked that one I thought it would be a great obviously kind of tying it into the mission of Curios but also just you know it was cool to start that off and you know a really cool experience to experience that with all of you I said experience way too many times just now but hopefully you're following me I thought that that was great because talking with strangers was a perfect example of what we were trying to do in this book club with people that we didn't know. So that was a really great, for me at least, introduction into the book club because we were able to use the secrets that you're learning about talking to strangers yeah. in the uh, in the book club where we were learning to interact with strangers online too. Yeah, no, I mean, it was a really cool experience for me. And I think everyone I spoke to afterwards, just getting some feedback and processing, I think it gave them a lot of food for thought. And that's the cool thing about that book is that it doesn't really give you like a here's, it doesn't give you like a guide to do all these things. And you will always have perfect conversations. I think that there's not, that does not exist. So it was just cool to have that in written form by 
a writer I really respect and admire and, you know, be able to talk about it with others to kind of see how we take in some of what he wrote. Um, the second one was Untamed by Gunn and Doyle. And you were also a part of that one. And I think I remember you saying like, oh, I was gonna take a break, but I really wanna read this book. And that one I picked because I had just finished reading it and I, I wanted to share it with other people. And I think that's the measure of a good book. If you read it and you're like, well, I have to tell people about this book because it, you know, triggered or taught or just put in words things that I'd been feeling. So for this book, it was important for me to kind of share the perspective of how do we untame ourselves from the societal uh, cagings that are kind of imposed upon us, but also what do those look like and how can we reclaim them in a way and reclaim parts of ourselves that we've maybe shunned because they were too wild. So that one was what, why I picked that one. And I, I really, I, I need to read that book again because I just think that it's very important right now. I also felt like that was a really good pick because it allowed us to use, she, she does a really good job of shorthand. So all of a sudden mm. we had the shorthand cheetah and the wild and all these different things so that shorthand allowed us to talk I mean I think I remember that when we talked a lot about the book but we also talked about our experiences it became a way for us to talk about our own stuff and our own experiences beyond just the book I mean we talk about the book for maybe half the the time most of the time we were if if that if half most of the time we were just talking about our own life experiences and the book was our access point Yeah. And you know what's cool is that so far, at least, all of the book club conversations have been that way. So I find that, you know, using the book as, again, just like a common denominator, but whenever I think you create a space where folks feel comfortable and and there's like a a common, some common ground that's laid or a common foundation, then it, it did become really easy for us to kind of share our own experiences and share, you know, talk about things that were happening in our lives and I, I want to say maybe that's around the time that the Black Lives Matter revolution kind of started to explode in the sense that it already was such an important movement. But I think that it started to explode because of some horrific things that had been happening around the time. And I, you know, it really helped. It really helped me to navigate that and have that kind of once a week community where I knew I could come and talk about yes, these concepts and how does what does untaming look like but also okay but this is what I'm what's happening right now and this is how my untaming is being stifled because the world is just too much you know so yeah that was a really good um I I love that experience as well and then the last one before this one that's coming up today uh was the bluest eye and so the bluest eye is a book by Toni Morrison one of my favorite authors one of my favorite author doesn't really encompass to me what she is as a person, <laughs> but um, I think that that book, I wanted to read something nonfiction. So that's why I picked that one. I wanted, uh, or I'm sorry, fiction, but I thought that because the first two books were nonfiction, but this book, I wanted to still talk about the times. And to me, that book, that book is timeless. And it talks about so many themes like race and class and beauty that still permeate today but in this kind of setting that is fictional but still is very much real like a real experience so I kind of wanted to just see what it would feel like to read something fiction and then relate it back to our lives and what's going on in the world 
And yeah, that's why I picked that one. And it very much delivered in the sense that, like you mentioned, we talked about our own lives. We talked about, you know, BLM. We talked about standards of beauty. We talked about so many different themes that are just all woven into that book. And I'm sure reading it again, you know, that that was my second or third time reading it. There would be even more if I kind of chose that book again. So I I like to read books that are layered and I, I, I want to try to keep picking books that have a lot of different layers to them. So if you were giving tips, so most of the questions from the Writer Squad Facebook group was was asking you basically how to how to choose their own, how to start their own. Mm. So how do you choose a really good book for a book club? I think it has to be a book that you really love, first and foremost, and maybe that's like a duh, maybe, maybe that's um, self-explanatory. I wouldn't have actually thought about that. I would have thought about trying to find a book that like challenged me first versus a book I really love. I think that's actually a really good suggestion because I think as I'm now, as you've said that, I think back on the ones that I've tried to create that failed, I was like trying to quote read up. (laughs) <laughs> like pick mm. something that seemed difficult so I'd yeah. seem intelligent or something I hadn't brought myself to read yet. So I was trying to make myself read it. I hadn't even thought about starting with something I already love and curating around that. Yeah, I think picking a book, I think that there's something to be said about picking a book that you are really excited to read. That hasn't happened for me yet. Like every book so far I'd either already started or read already. But I do think that for me, I pick something that I love because I want to be able to, one, as a facilitator, guide the conversation and have plenty to pull from so that I don't feel kind of, you know, stuck or, you know, there's something to be said about live processing, which definitely still happens even after rereading books. But if I love it and if I have a passion for it, I think hopefully the people who are engaging in the conversation will feel that in me and maybe either, you know, either it'll be contagious or they'll be like, oh, I hadn't thought about it that way and I hadn't. I didn't feel that way about it, but now I do. So again, I think that picking something you really care about, either because you've read it or a topic you really are passionate about, um, if you're the one, you know, curating and facilitating, I think that's important. I also would say that picking a book that again is, you know, I have it. It's funny. So this month, for example, I was between a lot of books. I was, I guess, I was between a lot of, you know, options every month, but. There are some books that I wonder if they'll be too long and, and too complicated and too complex. And that's not to say that, that I will never do that. But I think for now, at least, and in the time that we're in and, and wanting to keep it to a five, six week commitment and wanting to people to be able to dive into it. Sometimes the, even if, if the books that I've picked so far are, are simple in the sense that they're not super academic and they're not, you know, kind of, you have to look up every other word. I think that that one makes it accessible, but I also think that that doesn't mean it's not worth reading. I think to me, that just means that there's a lot more to fill in between the lines because what's on the page is just kind of a conversation starter as opposed to a fact that's like the conversation. Because if I'm reading a science book, for example, I mean, we could debate science, but it's not as exciting as the conversation about how do we feel and what does this mean? And you know, how do we make sense of this? So I picked something that I think hopefully folks will, will will trigger some folks either in a good ways or in bad ways to be able to really have a conversation and talk about things that come up for us. Those would be the two things I'd say. And so is there like a sweet spot for length of book, length of book club, how many members? Is there kind of a sweet spot you go for when you're curating a book club? 
Well, I think that right now the sweet spot is I, I'd like to keep the book club to less than 10, which has been easy so far because it's not like everyone knows about the book club yet. And even if more people got to got to know it, I do think I would want to keep it that way. Because again, to me, any more than that, and it would, and again, I don't know that for sure. And I, I don't want to box myself in, but I do think that a max of 10 people makes just makes it more intimate. Uh, people will like the, the experience I'm trying to curate in the sense that I want people to feel comfortable after about week two to kind of dig in and, and challenge if they feel comfortable or share something from their own life if they feel comfortable. Any more than that. And I think it starts to maybe you start to lose that a little bit, that intimate feeling. And I think the length of time, yeah, I, I, like I said, I think it's five, between five and six weeks because I think, you know, life happens and I want people to be able to engage in that amount of time together so that we're kind of like journeying through the story together as opposed to, you know, something that's three months. And then obviously in three months, like, I don't think people would be able to commit that, you know, one day or a couple of hours a day, particularly with busy lives and kids and whatever else comes up. Five to six weeks feels reasonable that I'll know what I'm doing in about a month and I can commit to reading this book. And I think people like that. People like to be able to check off, like, I read a book in, like, you know, a month, a month, a month and a half, and that's done. Like, now you can move on to something else. I am a big fan of that checking off. Like, I love my Goodreads list. Of, like, <laughs> I just, okay, just read it. Next, next. Like, oh, yeah. next. And not, that, not that every book needs to be an experience that you're reading to check off, but I agree. Like, I don't want to wait three months to finish a book. I want to, right. actually, I think one of the hardest parts for me um, I listened to, I've done all of the book clubs on audiobook is to not just go ahead and read the whole thing, to mm. try to stay at pace. And I've listened all that this book, this is the only book, Dare to Lead by Brene Brown that I haven't read already. And so I'm not reading it for the second time, but it's really interesting to like find myself wanting to read ahead and making myself stay. Otherwise, I'm going to start talking about something too far down the line. Um, so yeah, I appreciate that five to six. That really <laughs> feels like a sweet spot to me. Like it's not too much work. I know I can get it done in a week, but I also am not like waiting too long for the next Right. Time. I'm also, and I guess for me, part of, part of why I've read or at least started to read a lot of these books prior is because if I had to keep up with my pace, I don't think I'd be able to do it. I'm a slow reader. Um, I kind of read, sometimes I reread pages. I'm, I'm taking notes throughout. I'm highlighting things. So I, there are some books that I, I've devoured, right? Like I think we've all had a book where it was just so good you had to finish it. But for the most part, and I, what I want to keep going with the book club, at least, is I want to have at least as deep of, as, an, as deep and as connective tissue with the book as I can. And in order for, for me to do that, I have to have started beforehand, because otherwise, I'm not going to remember what I read. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I just can't read fast. I, and I think, I think I told you yesterday when we were talking, I'm a slow processor, so it takes me a long time to read something and then make sense of it and then I'm like actually maybe they mean they mean this and then kind of you know there's a whole bunch of different like tangents that can come from that thought and sometimes I want to journal about it or talk about it right away so I'm strange in that way or maybe not I don't know some people are probably like that I think it's a little it's like a both and I love that like I'm a fast processor but the book club has encouraged me to kind of go slower and have some moments of silence and moments of like waiting moments of pauses to let people think. And I think that that's actually been one of the things I've appreciated about it is I'm not just, I'm a, I, I read at least a book a week. 
I read 65 oh. books last year. And so I'm a devourer. And it, it, it encouraged me to slow down in a way that as a book devourer, I actually appreciated. It was like, oh, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit with this. And also mm-hmm. the books that you choose help me sit with this. But I think that for people who are interested in starting their own book club, that idea of playing off of like, whether you want it to be kind of more a, yeah. like devouring or more of a sit with it and that could play into it. Cause a lot of the people, I, I think every single question we had was people wanting to start their own with their friends oh, cool. trying to connect right now. So I loved that or finding one, finding the right one for their needs. And so mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't have, if you had said like a slower book club where we had some quiet moments, I would have been like, that's going to be too awkward for me. But I think it actually works because of the way in which you picked people. So I guess that comes to the next question from the writer squad. And somebody Mm. asked, how do you, how do you find and pick people to be in your book club with you? Cause I know that can make a huge difference in how it goes. Yeah. So it can, and I think it has, you know, it's funny, every single one, including this one that's coming up, I feel nervous about because the people who are in it will obviously impact the conversations. But in a way, again, with Curios's kind of main mission is to take the training wheels off. So I kind of have to be okay with the fact that if there's an X factor in the conversation that kind of, you know, brings a a perspective either that challenges me or they've never been a part of a book club or they bring a perspective that is completely different from somebody else's. As a facilitator, one, I am excited about that challenge as much as I'm nervous about it. But I do think that, I guess, to speak to picking people, you know, I don't, I haven't, I have turned people away, but mostly because of CAP and not because of anything else. Because to me, I want people, I want anyone who wants to participate to be within reason, right? I mean, if they're being disrespectful, if it was something that was just completely egregious into the mission of the group and the conversation and disruptive then yes, I would obviously, I, thankfully we haven't gotten there yet, but I would obviously address that. But so far, I think I just want people who want to engage, who are willing to engage within the kind of, you know, parameters of the conversation that I set up. But there, but there's no, uh, you know, there's no criteria that would necessarily exclude you from joining. Uh, so that's, I guess, in terms of picking. And I think how I let people know, so far I've been doing it by word of mouth, but on Instagram, obviously you shared it on your social media channels, which I've really appreciated. And I think it's been by referral. So like, for example, what was cool is that, so if, yeah, so for Untamed, you know, one of the readers brought their sister in, which was really cool because I was like, oh, like that must mean that she enjoys it and obviously wants to bring someone else. So I had, I didn't know her, nor did I, you know, have any connection with her prior to that. And that's kind of how it's worked out. So one person will tell someone else. And then, you know, again, it's kind of small and very grassroots right now, which I'm, I'm good with. I don't want it to be this explosive thing that just wouldn't serve me as a person. And also, um, I think the community I'm trying to develop. But I love that because I think that so often, like I'm in two book clubs right now, and one is your smaller, more intimate curated one, and one has hundreds of people in it. And I think they both give you different 
feels. Yeah. I pay for both. I'm active in both, but I have, I have to say I actually show up. I don't ever show up to the other one stuff on time. I just listen to it later <laughs> if I listen to it at all. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm so far behind. I'm not really motivated. And I think it's because I know that we're going to talk about more than just the book in yours. Mm-hmm. And the other one we do as well, we talk about things around the book, but it's, it's just different when you're showing up face-to-face, seeing the people and knowing that you're going to take the training wheels off of talk. We're going to have these honest conversations about the book. And so many times I've been in book clubs where you show up and everyone's just like chatty Kathy and they're not, (laughs) they're talking around the book or it's just an excuse to get together and drink wine, which I'm here for. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But (laughs) also, you know, as someone who I don't, I think I've drank every single one of our book club meetings, but I don't think once it was alcohol, I've always like bring mocktails, but still it's like the thought that counts. So one of the questions that came up and I thought that this works into that well is, so you have your people, they say, how do you facilitate the conversation? But I love that you use the word live processing. So how do you Mm -hmm. facilitate that processing people are having about the book and making sure someone doesn't take over too much or, or like doesn't, talk I don't know do you worry about hurting other people's feelings how do you how do you I mean you facilitate hard conversations in a way that I've I've seen very few people able to do in the way that you do it so well so tell us all your tips (laughs) do we just have to come back as as Michelle in another life or is there (laughs) is there like experiences that you had that led you to being able to do this well I think my educational background definitely plays a factor here so you know I have an undergraduate degree in intercultural communication. I have a master's degree in communication with a specific uh, focus on rhetorical communication. So I do think that, you know, again, communication is the basis of both of curios and everything that stems from it. So there's some of that. There's some I do think that is inherent. I think we all have kind of inherent skills. So I do think that there's something in me that does enjoy pausing in conversation either during or after to kind of reflect on okay like you know did that that piece of information that I shared was that valuable there uh did that emotion that I think I felt or someone else felt in the conversation was is that real you know should I talk about that later like that's just how my brain works I'm thinking about a million things at once so I think that in terms of how I facilitate I mean you know it's challenging, you know, I, I, I almost have to, and this is not the first time I've, I'm being asked this. So I do think a, a lot of me is thinking I need to write down, I guess, my process, because a lot of it is very intuitive, like a lot of it feels intuitive to me. But I think that so the three tenets of and the three principles of curios are curiosity, consciousness, and courageousness. And I try to lead the conversations that way and the facilitation that way as well. So you know, being courageous, like, are you saying what you mean? Are you withholding for some reason? Um, Are you stepping in and being brave? Or are you playing it safe? So those are the kind of questions I ask myself. And I hope that I will continue to ask others in conversation so that they can be able to be more in tune with that part of themselves. Because we all have been in a conversation where we realize maybe midway or, you know, maybe after the fact, oh, I really wish I would have said this, I was thinking about it, or this emotion came up in me during, but I didn't, you know, say anything about that. So I want to infuse the conversation and the facilitation with that as a core kind of principle, like, hey, like, if you feel that coming up in you, let's do that. Like, this is what the space is for. So let's dive in. Being curious, so asking really good questions. So again, if something comes up, I think what's hard is that when we're having 
hard conversations or difficult, awkward conversations, we make assumptions a lot. So I think that asking questions about what we think we know or what we think we're making, how we're processing what someone else is saying, being curious about it, asking questions rather than making assumptions is really important to me. And then, you know, being conscious is really being present. So that means either taking notes while, if that helps you to process during, really actively listening. So I encourage folks, yeah, to set up their space and I'll do that tonight too. Either set up your space in a way where you can like really lean into the conversation we're having and the hour and a half we'll spend together. And if you can't today, that's okay. But maybe this isn't, maybe this isn't the best way to spend your time right now, right? Like maybe, because in order to have the kind of experience that we, I want to have, that I want to curate, everybody has to be present and paying attention and leaning in. And again, that doesn't mean you don't go to the bathroom or it doesn't mean that you're, you know, not doing things that you need to do to take care of yourself. But it does mean that we're taking care of each other and being mindful of each other's time. As we all chose to be here, it's, I didn't force you or, you know, or anyone to kind of join. So let's be present, let's be conscious, let's pay attention to if we're like how we're showing up into the space, which I think if we did those three things in most conversations we had, I think we'd have better conversations. That's, that's, that's my thesis, right? I mean, I don't know if that's true or not, but I think that that is kind of how I navigate facilitating and, and having, you know, worthwhile conversations. I think that is just so brilliant. And also you just outlined how to set up uh, any kind of conversation. And I think a book club really is a conversation about a book, right? You just set up how to set up any conversation. So I, I'm going to go and just screenshot that, what you just said and be like, be more curious, go and encourage you all to go to <laughs> curious, especially, and go to these conversations and have these conversations. How is that changing all of what you just said about your tenants, which I love? How is that changing online? Does that change things for you? Does it enhance it? Does it take away from it? Is it just different? How is moving all of this online working for you? That's a good question. I think it's actually making it, in some ways, it's a challenge, right? Because I think we all enjoy being face-to-face and interacting with each other. There's some some body language that certainly you can read in camera, but you're only getting like this much of me or, you know, whatever. So there's a difference. And obviously, I think all of us are still getting used to what it means to interact with people through this little box on our computers. But I also think in some ways, especially listening is the most important factor in communication to me, because if, you, if you're not doing that, what are you doing really? Like we can't interact if, you, if someone isn't talking and you're not actually taking in what they're saying and asking questions if you're unclear. But I think that, so with one of the events I curated, gosh, I think June 30th, and it was about race, and it was just, you know, bubbling up in me because of the racial just injustices that continue to happen in our country. People didn't talk the entire event. So there was a lot of information being shared, but the only role of the only thing people who were participating and paid money to participate in, their only role was to listen. And so I kind of set it up in a way that, hey, like, this is your role for this conversation. Please have a pad and something to write on, something to write with. And I'm actually going to take some of uh, how I curated that for our upcoming book club, because I do think that depending on the topic and the subject matter, if you don't prime people on listening and like how to actually do that in a way that's productive we're not all good listeners you know so in terms of online communication I almost think it's been easy in the sense that we're kind of forced to 
I think pay attention a little bit differently than we would in person. So I think in person it's easier to get away with not listening, to be honest. And online, if you're not paying attention in a Zoom call, in a one-on-one -on -one conversation, whatever, it's actually really easy to it's easy to point out to someone like, okay, well, they're just not here. And it's also just really easy to notice in, in my experience. So I don't know, there's pros and cons. Yeah, I mean, it's changed, yes, because obviously, but I also think that there's pros and cons to both the live element and the virtual element, I think is kind of shifting the way we lean in or out of conversations. Well, I loved the virtual allowing us, there were people from all over that you knew, you've lived all over and people from all over joined. So that was great. Some of the people I really enjoyed interacting with weren't in San Diego. So I wouldn't have yeah. gotten to do that. So that was helpful. And one of the things, and I don't know if this, you have a tip for this, but I have massive Zoom fatigue. Like I am probably, mm -hmm. unless I'm really interested in what you're doing, not going to show up for <laughs> something where yeah. I can be in front of my computer staring at it. But I don't, feel like it's maybe because it what hasn't been on zoom itself maybe it's like zoom feels like work to me but I think <laughs> yeah I didn't get zoom fatigue with the with the with the book club and I think part of that was for me and I'm going to ask you why maybe it feels different but I think for me it feels like because you've done such a great job at curating a non-facade I don't. I feel like I yeah, can show up and yeah. be like scrunching in the corner and have double chin and you sure acne. can because I might show up that way. <laughs> you know, and oh, that's that's like a key right there. You show up without a facade, and so I think that it's easy. I don't feel like I have to perform at all. I don't feel like it's anything close to the other professional zooms I have to be on all day to show up. So what do you do? Like how? How <laughs> do you do it? it? What are you doing? But how are you making it so, what do you set up so there is no facade? I, one of the things I thought of is the way in which you, you were talking about how listening is like the most important part. Mm -hmm. You sent out that amazing article on what it really means to be an active listener. Mm -hmm. Are there other things you do ahead of time to help bring that facade down so people come and show up to this book club as a more real version of themselves? I think part of it is definitely modeling. So I meant that, you know, when I said, like, yeah, I hope you feel that way, because it might be that I show up during a week and I'm like, y'all, I don't have it today, but I'm here because one, I care about you, I care about this. But just to be transparent, like, here's where I'm at. So I think that modeling is definitely one way in which I curate that. Because I think whenever we model behavior, I think other people subconsciously and consciously kind of think, oh, okay, this is fine. <laughs> this is okay. Like, it's okay to be like this or be like me, whatever the version of me today is that I'm kind of bringing out into the world. So I think that's part of it. I also think that, I mean, the work I'm doing lends itself to realness. So I don't claim to be, and I was speaking about this with someone else. The other thing is, as much as I'm modeling, I think I'm also modeling not always getting it right. I don't claim to be the know-all expert, fix all your problems in terms of having difficult conversations, nor do I think anyone could do that. I, I don't think, I mean, I would call BS on that 100% because I think that while we're all uh, you know, experts in the sense that we lean into a particular topic or subject matter. We we have different skill sets and educations that 
allow us to maybe have a level of understanding of something that maybe other people don't. I think that I'm also just a learner. So I think I bring that energy into the space that I hope other people can bring as well. You know, like there's no one here, no, none of us know it all. So I think having that as the kind of baseline for let's navigate this together as opposed to like, I'm the only, I'm the one and only true guide of this. I think that helps people to feel a little bit more comfortable. So I think, the, I guess modeling is both of those answers. And I also think that just being transparent. So again, setting up some engagement rules, whatever that looks like, if you're setting up a space or, you know, a workshop or a conversation, whatever it is, so that some temporary rules is what Priya Parker, who is, uh, she wrote a book called The Art of Gathering. And she is an expert facilitator, but also I think studied conflict resolution. So she talks a lot about kind of setting up some temporary rules, which I've definitely adopted in terms of just setting up the space like, hey, like we're gathering, like you and I are gathering right now. And if I was leading this conversation, I would say, okay, like here's what I hope we can bring into the space that maybe, maybe it's typical for us, maybe it isn't. But if you name it, like name what you want to come into this space. So whether that's vulnerability, which hopefully we can bring into this book club, whether that's, you know, transparency, whether that's you know, a rule like you have to raise your hand, like I think naming the things that you want, how you want people to interact helps people to do that. Because otherwise, you're, again, leaning with assumptions, which, you know, we don't want to do if we want to be curious. Uh, and you just want to name it or like ask a question about it so that we're all on the same page about what we're doing here. That's really great tip, really great way to end this conversation, I think, as well. But before we go, I just thought I would ask any other tips for book clubs? Any, I mean, I would add the tip that food and drink is mm, helpful, yes. but that's also me. <laughs> uh, I always have a snack. I, I remember there was lots of like, hold on, I got to go get some popcorn moments yes. and a couple of them. <laughs> um, but any other of those tips that you, that we haven't touched on yet for how to curate a, how to create a really well curated book club? I guess the only other thing I can think of at this moment is if, you know, you want, be intentional about what kind of book club you want to create. What is the community you're trying to curate? Because it's not just about the book necessarily. So obviously for me, it's, you know, Curios inspired. It's my business inspired. It's, these are the kind of conversations, the kind of books I want to lean into. But if you are a part of a community that you want to highlight, so you only want to highlight certain authors or you only want to highlight certain topics, that I think would help people give, give people some direction. I think often we all want to do all the things, but I think that focusing on a topic or a goal or intention that you have with the book club would help to curate one that's not, that doesn't feel like work for folks. It just feels like you're entering into a community, hopefully. That is amazing advice. And I am just so one honored that you came on here and Two, most importantly, honored that I get to be a part of your book club. And I highly suggest to anybody who who wants to be a part of a really well-curated book club, and even if you're thinking of starting your own, I highly suggest being a part of one as well, not just running it, but being a member. It's so nice for me to not have to run it. I just show yeah. up and I know that you're going to have curated an amazing conversation and picked a great book. And so anyone who's interested, how can they find you and how can they find more about your book clubs and other events that you have as well? Yeah, sure. So um, the easiest way to find me is through a couple of channels. So Instagram, I'm on there, Curios by Nature. So that's Curious without the U, 
like the second you. So Curios by Nature on Insta. And then same on LinkedIn, it's Curios Consulting. And uh, my website, www.curiosbynature. Yeah, I my, the book club is definitely the best way to find out about what's coming up most of the time is to sign up on my website for my newsletter. So the plan is to send that out a little bit more consistently, which means for me once uh, every month. And yeah, I'll share kind of what's coming up and what I'm working on. That's great. And we'll have all of those links down in your show notes too. So you could just click on it and go and follow Michelle and Curios, which I highly suggest. I also love the other events. If you're, if you happen to listen this whole way, cause you like conversations, but you're not really into books, which like, come on, I'm going to yeah. change your mind on that. Go find a book. <laughs> but if you don't think you can join a book club currently, also check out some of the amazing conversations that Michelle helps facilitate through Curios because it really does take the training wheels off of talk and does encourage these beautiful moments of connection through conversation. Thank you so much, Lauren. This was great. Thank you for coming on. And um, everybody go check out Michelle online for sure. Have a great day. Thank you again, Bye. Michelle. Bye. Today's book recommendation is Malcolm Gladwell's Talking with Strangers. Now you may have heard me talk about this book in the conversation I had with Michelle about the book club that she curates. And I just want to say another big plug for it. It it really changed how I think about strangers and the way we interact with each other, the way we converse with each other, when we trust our gut instinct on people and how that can be great and how that can also lead us astray and keep us from actually connecting with people. But also, you know, it talks about spies and the way in which we can't tell if someone's a spy because we trust our gut instinct, but also talks about Sandra Bland and the way that her social cues and the cops' social cues didn't come together and ended up in this horrific situation that ended in her life being ended. And it talks about various different cross-cultural situations and the way in which we interact with strangers. So I highly, highly, highly suggest if you're interested in learning about books or interested in talking with strangers or interested in book clubs or conversing with other people or writing or just in general have heard that Malcolm Gladwell is amazing and want to figure out which book to start with, I suggest talking with strangers. Now, I do have to warn you, when I looked online at the reviews, this one got less reviews than any of his other books, but I think it's one of the better ones that he has written. So highly suggest it. Ignore all those other reviews. Trust me instead and go out and get yourself a copy of Malcolm Gladwell's Talking with Strangers. We've got all of those link notes for you in the show notes if you want to check it out. So happy reading. You just finished another lesson at Business School for Writers. Feels pretty great, right? Being one step closer to a thriving writing career. I am so excited to see how you put to use the tips you learned today. So please share what you gained from this episode in the Writer Squad Facebook group. You can find your squad at facebook.com slash groups slash writer squad. Want even more support making your writing dreams come true? Go to businessschoolforwriters.com where not only can you find show notes and links from today's episode, but you'll also be able to explore courses, coaching, and free resources we've gathered together to help you along your path to creating a thriving writing career. Thanks again for listening to the Business School for Writers podcast. I'll see you in the next lesson. Business School for Writers is hosted and produced by Lauren Marie Fleming. 
with editing and support from Samantha Olivares. All rights reserved by Las Maestras LLC. Our music is De Lejos by Ila Bamba. Check them out on Spotify. Big thanks to the team at Terrorbird and to Kristen Hozak. And of course, big thanks to you, the listener. Now put down this podcast already and go write. I'll see you next episode. Hay que mover la sangre del cuerpo.